2016, Paul Pogba arrived at Man United. I made much fanfare. At the time, his transfer fee for leaving Juventus, his previous club, was a world record £89 million. But at the end of this month, he will return to Juventus, the club he left, this time as a free agent. After what many in the soccer world describe as a major disappointment. For whatever reason, Pogba failed to live up to many people's expectations. But of course it's not just soccer players that disappoint us. This happens with so many people in so many aspects of our lives. When a new political leader comes to power... They carry the hopes and the dreams of the nation, but often leave years later with so many unfulfilled promises. Or we hold up celebrities as people to admire and aspire to until we read about what they're really like. Or we watch their messed up private lives being displayed in in televised court cases. Or even in the church. Many people put their hopes in in a certain preacher or teacher or leader. Only to be devastated when they learn about their hypocrisy and their failures. This is why many people say to never meet your heroes. If you put our heroes on such a high pedestal, then most of the time... When we meet them and see their weaknesses and their limitations and their imperfections, we are desperately disappointed. And there's a very good reason for that. That's because all of our heroes are, in the end, human. And all of us as human beings are far less than we should be. Well, apart from one person. And that's who the writer of the book of Hebrews wants us to focus on. We can confidently meet him and focus on him because he is the only human being who did not fail to be all that he was designed to be. And so today, he is crowned with glory and honour because he perfectly fulfilled God's plan and purpose. So this morning we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 2. Just a few verses. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 down to verse 9. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him. The son of man, that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at at the present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, 
now crowned with glory and honour. Because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Sometimes we can feel so small and insignificant in this world, can't we? We are just one of 7.8 billion people in this world. We are part of a, of a small church in this small town of Enniscorthy, in the small island of Ireland, on one of the, the smaller planets in our solar system, which is only a, a really small part of our Milky Way galaxy, which is only one of billions of galaxies in this world, in this vast universe. So it's no wonder that we can feel so small and so insignificant at times. But what is startling is that God doesn't see us as small and insignificant. In His view in this world, we are valued. We are important. That's what David was so amazed with in Psalm 8, which is quoted in this passage. This is what he writes, Psalm 8 verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. In comparison with the vastness of this universe that God has made, we, are so, we seem so small and so insignificant. And yet, God notices us. God watches over us. God cares about us. Even the, the tiny details of our, of our lives are important to Him. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Which of course is easier for some people than for others. <laughs> but why does God care about us so much? Why does He value us in this vast universe even though we're tiny? Well, it's because as human beings we are intended for a special purpose in God's world. Verse 7 says, you, you made him a little lower than the angels. Now that, this phrase can be translated two different ways. The translation is unclear. So there's two ways of looking at this. Either, as the NIV puts it, we were made a little lower than the angels. Or it could be that for a little while we were made to be lower than the angels. As we saw in chapter 1 of this, this letter, angels are powerful spiritual beings. Do you remember in chapter 1 verse 7? He makes his angels winds. His servants flames of fire. But as human beings, we're only a little lower than them. Or even, maybe we're just lower than them for a little while. 
What is clear is that as human beings, we have been made for a position far higher than all the rest of the animal kingdom, all of the rest of the, 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 uh, the, the living creatures that live on this planet. In fact, we've been given a unique dignity in God's universe. Look at verse 7 again. You crowned him with glory and honour. Now, of course, God alone deserves all the glory and all the honour. God alone deserves to be worshipped and adored. But as human beings, we've been given a special dignity in this world. This is because God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis chapter 1. Everything that God made displays something of God's glory and power and creativity and wonder and character. We can look around the world and learn something about our Creator God. But human beings are unique and special in this world. Each of us, male and female alike, have been given the incredible honour of being made in the likeness of God. We have been made to resemble And as bearers of God's likeness, we've been called to an exceptional role. Look at verse 8. And God has put everything under his feet. Human beings are designed to reign in this world. We were made to represent God's rule on earth. To take responsibility for leadership in this world. We are called to care for this world as God cares for it. This again is what God said in in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. This is what God said. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. And the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We might feel small and insignificant, but we were made to be the pinnacle of God's creation. We were made to resemble God's likeness, to relate to Him in love, to reflect His glory, and to rule In his world. We were made to be the recipients of his extraordinary care. With a special position. A unique dignity. And an exceptional role. That's God's design. For you and for me. But of course sadly. That's not what we see all around us in this world. In verse 8, the writer says this, Yet, at the present time, 
We don't see everything subject to him. We don't see human beings reigning in honour and dignity as the bearers of God's image today. We don't see that unique position and that unique dignity and that exceptional role being played out in our world. And that's because all of us have sinned. And we fall short of the glory of God. We constantly fall short of this glorious standard that God has designed for each one of us. The standard that He intended us to live up to and to live for. So instead of welcoming God's care and attention, we as human beings have rebelled against Him and pushed Him out of our lives. Instead of accepting this unique position in this world, we've sought to depose God from His role in this world. Instead of enjoying this unique dignity as God's image bearers, we have debased ourselves and treated other people as no more than an animal. And instead of taking on the responsibility to rule this world with God's love, we have failed to control even ourselves and have used and abused this world for our own selfish wants. This is the cause of all of the mess that we see around us. This is why this world is full of pain and suffering and an absolute disaster zone. This is why our planet is creaking and falling apart. It's a sinful nature that resides in each one of us. This is why our heroes disappoint us. This is why our our friends and family hurt us. This is why our communities are are constantly failing. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone except one. We don't see human beings reigning as they were called to. But today we See Jesus. We see Jesus. We all fall short of the reality of Psalm 8. We fail to live up to what God intended for each one of us, but not Jesus. In a deeper and more profound way, Jesus is the, 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 the complete fulfillment of this Psalm. He is the ultimate Son of man. This is the way that Jesus often referred to himself when he was talking about himself. For example, in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Or Mark 10 and 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in one sense, Jesus was using that phrase just to refer to himself as a human being. 
He was fully human, a son of man. And we'll see that emphasised more in more detail next week. As we look at the next passage and see further why this is a vital truth for us to accept today. That Jesus is fully human. But here, what is emphasised is that when Jesus became human, he was made a little lower than the angels. As we've seen in chapter 1, the Son was always superior to the angels. Remember, that's what we were looking at a, couple of, a few weeks ago. He was superior in his relationship with the Father. As God said, you are my Son. Today I've become your Father. The superiority of, of Christ over the angels was seen in his right to receive worship. Let all God's angels worship him. And his superiority will forever be expressed. As he will reign forever at the right hand of God. As the rightful creator and sustainer of the world. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. So that is who the Son rightfully is. But at his incarnation, when he became a human being, he set aside that high position. He laid aside his majesty. He humbled himself. And for a time took up a position that was lower than the angels. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Of course Jesus didn't just humble himself in becoming a human being. He went further than that because he humbled himself and suffered death. That's his lowest point. When he laid aside his glory and willingly accepted the agony and the shame of the cross. This is what Paul emphasised in Philippians chapter 2. When he wrote about Jesus, he said this, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross Jesus humbled himself left the glory of heaven and came to this earth and went to the cross but when Jesus was using that little phrase son of man to refer to himself he wasn't just calling himself a human being This was also a kind of veiled reference to his deity. In Daniel chapter 7, in the Old Testament, King Belshazzar had a dream. And he saw one like a son of man, 
coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into His presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's who Jesus is. Yes, He is fully human. But he's also the Messiah. He's also the king of this universe. He is the rightful ruler over all. He's the one who will reign forever. And so Jesus did not stay lower than the angels. He did not stay in the tomb. Instead, through God's power, he rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven where he sat down at the right hand of God, where he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. In his incarnation, he became lower than the angels for a little time. But now, Paul again in Philippians chapter 2 says, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And so now, through faith, we see Jesus. We see Jesus who is now crowned with glory and honour. He has taken his place, as his rightful place as the perfect human being, displaying perfectly the glory of his Father and ruling as sovereign over this world. So here's the question. How could Jesus step into the humiliation of humanity and die so horribly and yet be raised so majestically as the sovereign over this world? Why is his story the story of humiliation followed by exaltation? Well, that's because his death was different from every other death. His death was different from the death of every other human being. Death is a consequence of us falling short of the glory of God in the wages of sin. But Jesus was without sin. So Hebrews goes on to say in verse, chapter 4, verse 15, He has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Unlike all of us, he perfectly fulfilled the plan and purpose of his Father. He fully lived out his calling as the image of God. We failed to resemble God, to to reflect his glory. But Jesus did that flawlessly. As we read in the introduction to the letter, the Son is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being. So Jesus did not deserve to die. 
So why did he suffer death on the cross? Why did he die in such agony and shame? Well, verse 9 tells us in a reading. It was so that, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus' death was not a tragedy. It was not a disaster. It was not a failure. Instead, it was a gracious act of sacrifice for us. On the cross, he took upon himself our sin. And he died in our place. He was punished instead of us. He took upon himself the death sentence that we deserved. He was separated from his father so we would never be forever. As Hebrews 10, 10 will later tell us, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus tasted death so that we could experience life. And this gift of life in all its fullness comes as a gift of God's grace. It's a gift that we could never deserve. We could never earn by trying hard, by turning over a new leaf, by being really religious, by being really good. We could never pay back through our efforts or activities. It's a gift that we simply need to receive by faith. By faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And to show that this gift was paid for in full, God raised Jesus from the grave and exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. His exaltation is a declaration that his suffering is over. It's finished. It's paid in full. And it's the guarantee of our salvation to everyone who puts their faith in him. Romans 4 and 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And so this is the wonderful reality for us this morning. If we put our faith in Jesus, the one who was humiliated so he could be exalted, then we too have a glorious future ahead. We will be brought into Jesus' glory and honour. We will have a share in His eternal rule in this universe. As we'll see next week, through His sacrifice, Jesus is bringing many sons to glory. As a result of our sin, we've fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of His plan and His purpose for us. 
But through trusting in Jesus, we can be rescued from the mess that we've made for ourselves. And we can rediscover that crown of glory and honour that we have lost. That's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. If we are children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. And co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Today, we're not fully there yet. Today, we're still struggling in this messed up world. We're still battling our sinful nature. Every one of us is. But if we put our trust in Jesus, then we have become God's children and one day we will be exalted with Christ and we will reign with him so yes other people will disappoint us even our heroes are far less than they should be every human being has fallen short of the glory of what God made them to bear But we are here to see Jesus. To fix our eyes on Him and give Him all the praise and all the worship and all the honour that He deserves. As the Apostle John declared in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood, And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Jesus will never disappoint us. He fully lived out God's glorious design for humanity. So unlike us, he never fell short of that glory. But he was made a little lower than the angels for a while so that he could rescue us. But now he is exalted as a risen and glorious saviour. So the wonderful news is if we put our trust in him, if we follow him, then he will guarantee our glorious future. As we step into the glory and honour that we were created to enjoy. So today, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's trust in Him. And in Him alone. Because He is not a disappointment.